It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The, the Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome in to a special midweek, midday episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. We have a ton to jam into on your afternoon. I know this is a little bit different. Usually we go live at night. Uh, we have some some stuff uh, that we both have uh, planned for later, so we want to get this done earlier in the day and not push back the show uh, any longer. And also, we are coming right back at you on Sunday with another episode of the live show, uh, Shout Live from Wingnuts. Brian, I cannot wait for this one. It's going to be a Sunday vibe. I'm hoping the weather is good. We'll get out on the patio. You know, Bills fans should come out. We'll talk some Bills. We'll eat some wings. We'll drink some beers. It's going to be an awesome setting uh, on Sunday at, at uh, Wingnuts. Yeah, 716 day, wing nuts and shout. What a what a perfect combination. What a perfect storm, so to speak. Can't wait to get there. Uh talk all things bills. Uh we you know, we, we were talking about it recently. The the crowds there have been unbelievable. So cannot wait, Matt. We got a fun show planned for that one today. I'll I'll line this one up here uh today and then kind of give you a preview of what we're gonna do on Sunday. Today, we're going to talk about five first-year Bills. Could be rookies, free agents, however players got to the Bills, and this is their upcoming first season in Buffalo. Which five players are going to have the biggest impact? And Ryan and I actually have differing lists, so that's going to be fun to kind of go back and forth, debate that a little bit. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins and the Bills, another news nugget. Jeff Darlington from ESPN had a report on that. We'll get into that a little bit later in the program here today. Um, But Sunday is going to be about bold predictions, Ryan? Like what are the big things that me and you are predicting for this very unpredictable and important season the Bills have coming up? So I think there's a lot of fun things to get to. Um, I also want to shout out really quickly, um, if you've, if you're listening on the audio version, you've probably heard a lot of ads for Manscaped and we haven't talked too much about it uh, on the live show because they've been reads, but I, I want to encourage everybody. Ryan and I have both tried out the manscape products and they are awesome. And you get, can get a 20% discount right now. If you head over to manscape.com and put in the discount code shout S H O U T gives you 20% off. Ryan, what did you think of the lawnmower? Yeah. You, you got to love the lawnmower 4.0. Uh, we got a lot of goodies in, in addition to that, but Close trim does the, gets the job done. Uh, it also comes with some boxers, a T-shirt, you name it. You can find just about anything over at manscaped.com using the code SHOUT to get a 20% discount. And listen, we like to support all of our sponsors. You know, you know, in the past, Tops, Value, obviously the, the official chicken wing of, of the SHOUT Bills podcast, Wing Nuts. Uh, we put you guys on to all those things. We tried out Manscaped. It was really awesome. Go put in that code right now uh, and show them how much uh, you know, sponsoring shout, we'll get, you know, companies, uh, all over the world. All right. Before we get into the bill stuff here, Ryan, I want to take a a moment here, dial things back, uh, to a much more serious topic. And, you know, it's funny because as serious as it is and as sad as it is, uh, you know, Bill's mafia lost a super fan over the last couple of days, Eddie Merrick, uh, nine year old little boy who has been just battling, 
uh, a heart condition that he was born with nine surgeries in his short eight or nine years on this earth. And just the way that he fought through it, his, his father, a super dad, if you will, Nick Merrick has kind of chronicled that entire journey, uh, the heart wrenching journey of, you know, just being there for every moment of his son's pain and, and journey. But the thing that I'll always remember about Eddie is the constant smiles that he provided the entire fan base and the entire community. I mean, I had Nick on, on Twitter notifications just because I, I, I was, it brightened up my day, just seeing a picture of Eddie every once in a while. Um, and it's a super sad thing, but it's also a reason to celebrate because, you know, a lot like Pancho Bila a couple of years ago, how tragic, you know, his passing was just the way that he lives on in the fan base. I feel like that's really going to happen with Eddie and to see the fan base kind of come together and rally around Nick and, and just this whole thing, the last couple of days, it's been inspirational in a really sad time. Yeah. Our thoughts and prayers are out there for Nick and his entire extended family. And, you know, you said it, those, the video clips of Eddie and uh, always yelling, go bills. And, and the, you know, you, you would never guess that this is someone that went through so many surgeries and uh, had so many obstacles in his way and how tough he was and how inspirational he is and continues to be to this fan base. Uh, it, it was his, his father did a great job of, of taking us inside of Eddie's journey and he, he's going to be missed. So uh, uh, I'm glad that uh, we could take a minute to, to recognize Nick and Eddie and Eddie's infantry. And um, like you said, it, very sad. He's going to live on in our hearts, just like uh, everything with Pancho Bila as well. You can find uh, Nick over on Twitter at Nick Merrick, N-I-C-K-M-A-Y-E-R-I-K. Um, there's some uh, GoFundMes going around and, and different ways to contribute. You know, obviously the expenses of, you know, the, the hospital stay over the, you know, over the years and everything like that. But also just maybe to you know, pass along a note. I mean, it's as a father myself, seeing what he's gone through and the way and the love that he gave his son and the life that he gave his son. Uh, it was special stuff, man. Yeah, all, always by Eddie's side. Uh, hospital visits, obviously, and I believe this last time since March. So he, he went out of his way to always be there for his son, and that's all you can ask for for someone as you know as a father. Indeed, uh, best to the whole Merrick family. Um, and rest in peace to Eddie, man. What what a what an awesome little guy. Uh, that that smile will live on for years and years to come. It's going to be uh, uh, pretty cool every time you see that face. Um, all right, let's get into some bill stuff here because, you know, Ryan, we've been kind of, we've, we, we taped a couple episodes. We both went on vacation. You went down to Hotlanta. I went down to the big apple. Um, but we're back in the seats and we're getting geared up here. I mean, you just, first of all, before we get into this list, uh, that we're going to debate a little bit, you just posted a story. You're starting a series, 23 questions, uh, that are facing the bills here that you're going to write about over the next couple of weeks. What did you start off with today? Yeah, I started out with uh, something that's been talked about a lot in the the media circles is the Bills' Super Bowl window closed. And it sure feels that way if you talk to the national media members. Uh, a lot of people did that just one year ago, said that the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites. But I kind of outlined three reasons why that couldn't be further from the truth, why the Super Bowl window is still wide open in Buffalo. And, you know, obviously the, the conference is very tough in the AFC. Teams are getting better every year, but so are the Bills. And, and I think it's kind of a, a ludicrous assumption that Buffalo's window closed so quickly. So I dove into that topic. I have, you know, like you said, 23 questions for the 2023 season. I have plenty of pre-prepared questions, but if you have a question for us that you would like answered, 
you know, send me an email, rtelba at nyup.com, and uh, I'll try to include it in the series. Well, that is a great transition, my friend. You are uh, a man of many talents, and uh, you're going to come in here and uh, start to be the transition king, maybe. Uh, I like it. So we have a big announcement, and we've been kind of teasing it over the last couple of months, uh, but we got it dialed in. We are going to launch this thing uh, in the next few days, and I, I told everybody recently, you know, over the course of shows and all of the, the meetups that we've done at Wingnuts that our coverage is going to change in July, late July. And what that is, is going to be the Shout Bills Insider text group. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, what does that mean? Um, basically, what we are going to give you is an invitation into the group chat. So everybody's got a group chat, right, Ryan? You got it with your college buddies, your high school buddies, maybe some people at work. And every time something happens with, with whatever collectively you all, your friend group is passionate about, you're you're on the text chain, right? You're dialing it up, you're sending takes, you're you're arguing back and forth. Well, now the Shout Podcast, Matt Perino, Ryan Talbot, we're going to have our own Bills Mafia um, text group that is going to give you a special ticket into the analysis that we bring you, but also a seat alongside us for our coverage. Ryan, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, I could not be pumped up more about this text group that we're going to have with the Bills Mafia and uh, for Shao. And like you said, Matt, it's going to give them an inside glimpse of, you know, what we do and, and give them some inside details. You know, think about uh, training camp just around the corner. Is there something they want to know? Is there a player they want us to keep an eye on ahead of a practice? That's going to give them that inside access and let us know, you know, who they want us to keep an eye on. And they're going to learn quickly from us you know, what we saw that any given day at training camp. Yeah. Like I know that we're, we make it a point to interact with fans across all platforms, but we don't see everything. I mean, now that, you know, with our follower count, especially on Twitter, so high when DMS come in, sometimes if they, if a person's never DM before, it goes into its own folder. And sometimes that thing loads up with a lot of stuff. Maybe I don't get to everything. So the text group is a way to kind of mitigate that problem and bring us all closer together in one kind of back and forth group. And, you know, Ryan mentioned it like before I go out to a practice, before Ryan goes out to a practice, when he's covering uh, live on the ground, you will send out a text. What do you want to know today? What do you want to know from the locker room? Like when we go to open locker room during a game week, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, I'll send out a text. I'll, I'll say this is what I'm looking to accomplish this week. What are you looking to accomplish? What do you want me to accomplish? And then obviously right after the game, the Bills lost one. The Bills won one. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Send us a text before we go into the locker room and that'll help guide us our coverage. And then we'll have interactions. We'll bring you analysis. Ryan, I'm going to make it a point that everybody that signs up for this service, the first thing that I think about anything, my analysis, your analysis, that text group, that insider group is going to get it all first before anybody else does on Twitter, on Facebook, on NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com. We're still going to be all of those places, but there is going to be a priority for the text group. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, they're going to steer the ship on this shout podcast at times too, Matt, post game. You know, what do you want to talk about? What bothered you most about the outcome of that game? Or what were you most encouraged about? We'll make an entire segment for that. So, you know, you're going to have a seat right next to us when we're at these games, when we're when we're at these practices. You're going to help us steer the ship of the podcast, uh, topics that we write about, you name it. This gives you exclusive access to the team. I cannot wait for this to start. It is going to launch a week from today, Wednesday, July 19th. And it's going to be super easy. We're going to give you a number. 
uh, next Wednesday. And all you have to do is text that number. It'll send you a link back and you could sign up. And here's the even better news. You get a two week free trial. So you could try this thing out and see what it's like to see if you want to go all in after that. It'll be three 99 a month, less than $50 per year gets you complete access to Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino, all of our coverage uh, inside and outside the locker room. I'm so excited. And Ryan, this is the best time to launch this because our training camp coverage, I believe, is what sets us apart from everybody. And we're going to take it like you like my post-practice observations column, our post-practice podcast. Being an insider is going to take your access to those events and, and that coverage to an even higher and greater level. Yeah, like you said, Matt, super excited about this. Can't wait to get it off the ground here soon, especially with training camp just around the corner. Uh, Jessica asked, will our text numbers be used for commercial purposes? No, they will not be. I will make sure of that. Um, you, you can uh, you know, sign up for this. There's going to be none of that uh, kind of business. Like I know a lot of people don't like giving their emails uh, for those same reasons. It is uh, completely confidential. The only people that are getting it are Ryan and myself. Um, and, uh, I don't even know if your number actually shows up. I'll get more details on that, but it's going to be super cool. It's going to be a fun way for us to interact. And, and again, it's something that everybody can kind of try when we launch it next week, see if it's for you, if you like it. And we're going to go, uh, balls of the wall, shout out manscaped, um, <laughs> for, uh, this, you know, first few weeks, just to kind of show you what we have in mind for this thing. I'm really excited about it. Yep. Completely interactive. It's going to be really fun to try out. Give that uh, that trial a, a test here, Bills Mafia. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right, so here we go. The five Bills first-year players that are going to make the biggest in impact, we're going to power rank them. And like any good power ranking round, I think you got to start at the bottom, right? you got to start at five, Absolutely. work your way up to one. And before we get into it, I want to get into your honorable mentions because I, mm -hmm. I'm going to take a little issue with them. I didn't do any honorable mentions, but you had so many first year players that you think are going to make an impact. You wanted to make a mention of them. Name the couple players that you had that didn't make the list, but that you do think have a chance to make an impact this year. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. You know, I had safety Taylor Rapp. I had offensive guard Osiris Torrance, and I had wide receiver Deontay Hardy. Do you want me to go in depth about that? Yeah, at all? Okay. yeah, yeah. I'd like, to, so, I'd like to know a little bit about that. Osiris Torrance. Let's back. start with the rookie. Let's start with the rookie. Uh, generally when it comes to the bills rookies, you know, there's a, a waiting game, so to speak, you don't get on the field immediately. I think the bills have a lot of quality depth at guard all of a sudden. It's not a case where Torrance has to be on the field week one necessarily. If there's still issues with his technique, if there's still questions about his game, but I think by mid season, you're going to see him really get some opportunities to start for this team. Uh, I don't know what that means for the, the players that I have starting ahead of him right now, but I really like Torrance's game as a mauler in the run game. I think that there is strong upside as a pass protector. So uh, I had him as an honorable mention because I don't know how much playing time he's going to get out of the gate, but I really like that talent. What's uh, your, let me, let me, let me ask you something about him. What's your starting five right now on the offensive line? Let's, let's, let's okay. Dawkins. Yep. Uh, I, I have McGovern at one guard spot. Bates at you're another. Not, you're not locking one in on one side. You're just saying one guard spot. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe you put McGovern at left guard. You keep Bates at right guard, but I think Bates is better at left guard. So that's why I'm not locking it in. I want to okay. see at training camp, uh, you know, what they do, how they utilize these guys, obviously Morris at center and Spencer Brown at right tackle. Uh, that's my starting five right now. I'm, so. I'm with, I'm with you. Um, but I do think if I, I don't want to give away the farm here for my bold predictions, 
But I do think Osiris Torrance is going to win the right guard job out of camp. Mm-hmm. That's out of, out of the preseason. I think that every the other four, you're right on the money with, align with me. I think it's going to be Dawkins, McGovern at left, Mitch Morse, Torrance, and then Spencer Brown at right tackle. Listen, if they handed Spencer Brown the right tackle job as a rookie for the most part, um, and have gone with him through his struggles. I don't see any reason why you don't give the higher profile prospect in Torrance the ability to go out there and be what you drafted him to be. And that is a potential really good piece, an anchor piece in the pass blocking department on that right side. So if he starts there, I think we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, somebody that's going to start on the other side at guard, but we'll get there in a second. Tell me about Taylor Rapp. Yeah, so Taylor Rapp was a tough one. I almost wanted to have him in my top five. But you have Micah Hyde and you have Jordan Poirier. You know those are your right. set starters. I still think that Sean McDermott's going to find a way to get Taylor Rapp on the field for meaningful reps this season from week one on. He's that good of a player. He's that talented of a player. Uh, but it comes again. It came down to playing time, uh, snaps. I, I think he can still make an impact given limited reps. Uh, and I think Sean McDermott will find a way for him to get on the field, but I just couldn't put him in the top five in terms of overall playing time uh, and role. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to push back with that. I think you go out and get a guy that I think is the future at one of your safety spots. I think finding a way to get him on the field makes a lot of sense. So I like that one. I was surprised that you had Deontay Hardy outside of the top five in terms of impact players. Tell me why you left him out. I left him out because of who I had at number two on my list and, and because uh, you know of that role that uh, I could see the other player having. And it, right. it, it comes down to how many snaps is he going to get? You have Deontay Hardy, who I love as a yard-after-catch machine, uh, someone that can have a big role on this team in terms of that big play, uh, stretching the field. You know, when, when the team's doubling Stefan Diggs, if Gabe Davis is getting a lot of attention, I think Hardy can come in and – and make some big plays for this offense. But they also have Trent Sherfield. They also have some other pass-catching options who we'll go more in-depth here in a few minutes about uh, that can play out of the slot. So it's a numbers game. It's kind of the same spiel that I had for the other guys. I just don't know how many reps he's going to get. Wanted to include him as well. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Hardy in a few minutes, but um, I think that those are that's a valuable point to bring up when you're talking about the potential impact. There's, you know, it's kind of a couple roadblocks in front of Hardy. I mean, even in a, with a guy like Trent Sherfield, with his versatility and his ability to play out of the slot, that complicates things. Khalil Shakir as well. So that's a good point, and I want to get to why I think that won't matter as much in a few moments. But we're in agreement at number five on our power rankings list. And let's start where, you know, love is in the air before we get to the real fisticuffs of this thing. Um, Damian Harris, number five, chance to make an impact. Um, Why did you go with him at this spot? Yeah, Damian Harris is going to take a lot of hits off of Josh Allen, in my opinion. You know, Josh Allen is still going to be very valuable in those third and inches, fourth and inches scenarios. Uh, But you also have a battering ram in Damian Harris on second and two or third and two. Instead of making Josh Allen have to take those unnecessary hits from time to time, you can trust Damian Harris to move the chains, keep his feet moving, uh, continue the drives to the Bills. So I think he's going to be big in that role. I could also see him kind of poaching some touchdowns away from James Cook uh, deep in the red zone as well. So I think he's going to have a specialized role on this offense. I I do think of James Cook as RB1, as he called himself, 
uh, a few weeks back. But I, I also think that Damian Harris can be this guy that, you know, uh, could be close to a double digit touchdown guy this season. Close, like I said, getting those carries close to the end zone. But also the biggest reason I included him at number five is the amount of wear and tear it's going to uh, take away from Josh Allen having to take this year from defenders uh, where we've seen him take a lot of those hits in the short yardage situations. What I love most about what about this signing in particular is the one-year deal factor of it. You have a really ultra-motivated Damian Harris to come in here in an exciting new offense with a really good quarterback after playing two years with Mac Jones and what that offense became. And I almost feel like this is like a whole new life for him in a lot of ways, right? A chance to, even if it's not long-term with Buffalo, maybe he comes in here and scores 10 plus touchdowns and, and finds more money on the open market. I think if you're Brandon Bean, you're probably like, please do that. We love the comp picks <laughs> around here. But I think in this setting, because of the one, two nature of James Cook, but here's another part of it too, Ryan Ramondre Stevenson, by even the start of last season, I feel like was lapping him a little bit in terms of favor in that in that um, running backs room. There's a lot of people that are super high on James Cook, and you should be. I am. I, I think it, we're, we're, we could be in store for a big sophomore season. But if you're Damian Harris and you know what it's like to run in this league and, and how tough it is and the, the rigor of it on your body, you're probably licking your chops at like James Cook being a smaller type of feature back like all right, if he gets dinged up week to week, I'm going to have opportunities here, here, here with what's already expected to come. So I think I was even toying with the idea of putting Harris higher, but I'm so high on the four names ahead of him that I put him at five, but that was not really um, anything that has to do with Harris. I think he's in, in going to make a big impact on this team. And I'm really interested to see what Harris looks like late in the season. You know, obviously he's been dinged up over his career in New England, but the weather elements, when the weather changes, it gets windy, it gets cold, it gets snowy. The Bills have always said that they want to be able to play physical. Well, that could be Damian Harris's wheelhouse late in the year in these really tough games that the Bills have late on their slate. He could have his number called in some meaningful games with some uh, playoff seating on the line. Um, let's go to number four. Um, we, we, we're different here, but which is good. Like, I don't like when we're always the same. I mean, we're pretty much different the rest of the way. And that's, that's super fun. Who did you have at number four? Puna Ford. So, you know, it's funny. I talked about Taylor Rapp and these other players and rotational pieces. I don't know how many snaps Puna Ford is definitely gonna be a rotational piece. However, the bills D line is a little bit different than your safety room, your, your wide receiver slot position. Sean McDermott loves to rotate his defensive linemen. And, and at defensive tackle, yes, you have Ed Oliver, big payday. You have Daquan Jones, who was <clears> outstanding <throat> last season. But I have Puna Ford slotted in as their number three defensive tackle, being a guy that's going to be able to come in uh, and you know make a presence, be a force in the run game as a run stopper, be a presence and be a force getting after the quarterback. I was extremely high on Puna Ford. As a free agent, when when the Bills expressed interest back in March uh, uh, in him, uh, I was happy to report that because I think he's a great fit for this team. And obviously the fact that he was still on the market uh, after the draft and the Bills were able to kind of up their offer a little bit without having to lose their comp pick, it worked out for both parties. I have high expectations for Puna Ford. I, I like this pick. And I, I, I look at him through a different like um, lens then I think you're looking at him through, and that's okay. Um, I agree with what you're saying. I do think he's going to be impactful. I, I just think that he's going to be more impactful for other people. Like, I don't know if he, it's necessarily going to show up in the stat sheet with sacks or tackles for a loss, but 
I don't think he has to be a tackle for a loss monster to help improve this defense. And one area, like if you go back, I, I, I've been doing a lot of work the last couple of days watching some games back from last season. And two games that I watched back today um, were the Chiefs game and the Miami Dolphins game late in the season. And the two things that stood out to me in both of those games, both wins for the Bills, mind you, was how bad at times this run defense was. And that's surprising to me because if I think back to 2022 as a whole, I felt like it was better than the oh, couple years prior with Star Latulale. But at times, they still do get gashed. And I think Puna Ford has the potential to really solidify things. Like, it's just little things. Like, there was one play where Tim Settle missed a tackle in the backfield. There was another play where Boogie Basham kind of came off to the side against Mostert and hit him pretty good. Like, which, which would have been like a two-yard gain and it ended up being a 10-yard gain because he missed the tackle. It's just little things like that that I think Puna Ford changes the dynamic of things because I think that's where one of his strengths is, is against the run. So I think impact will he make? Sure. I just don't think it will be as tangible as some of these other ones where you see it week to week, like obviously, uh, and that's why maybe I left him off the list. But the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, that that's there's big potential there. Yeah. Big time potential in, you know, I see a question from Roy. Can he play one and three? I don't know if the Bills are going to want to move him around to both spots. One thing Pete Carroll noted last year in Seattle is they misused him at times and it wore him down. Uh, I think the Bills are going to have a, more of a specific role for him and utilize him in that role. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, uh, number four for me. I had Deontay Hardy at three, and then I ended up moving him uh, down to four. And I'll talk about that in a little while uh, when we get to three and why I put the person up there. Um, but I am super high on Hardy because I think one of the things that Ken Dorsey has to do this season is find a way to be a little bit more multiple with how he beats teams like and that operational area is obviously gonna have a lot to do with Dalton Kincaid right like in that short to intermediate area but I think Hardy to me fits into a supercharged role of like an Isaiah McKenzie from a couple of years ago somebody that can play in the slot when you need him to can be that jet motion guy and listen I think Hardy in motion as a pass catcher gives you more upside than McKenzie did that's another thing that I had to take away from last year man McKenzie had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, mm -hmm. didn't he, Ryan? Like he throughout did. his tenure, throughout his career here, there were some big game drops where you're just like, man, it, it could completely change the dynamic of a drive if McKenzie didn't have a drop here or made a play for his quarterback there. That's where I feel like Hardy has the biggest like room towards the ceiling with what he can do in this offense. And it, I think part of that is like his ability to separate, get open. Uh, that I think is maybe a little bit better than than McKenzie's. And then the versatility and the packages that you can use him in, even with a, a, a large role for Kincaid in an offense where Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dawson Knox already have established roles, I think that there's going to be enough for Hardy to make an impact. I agree with that completely. I, I think he's someone that can be can thrive as a receiver, but you can also use him as your gadget guy from time to time, like they used to utilize Isaiah McKenzie when he he was a little bit more productive for this team, where uh, the jet sweeps and the end, you know, different uh, gadget type plays. Hardy has that elusive speed. He has that uh, breakaway speed. But in terms of being strictly a pass catcher, yes, I think that you're going to be able to line him up in a variety of ways get him to stretch the field more times than not, especially with uh, 
what he showed in his tenure with the Saints, where it looked like he was poised for a huge year last year. And as Roy mentioned, Hardy just needs to stay healthy. Completely agree. Uh, an injury sidelined him last year for the majority of the year. If he stays healthy, though, I could see him having a big role in this offense. Indeed. All right, let's go on to number three. And I moved this guy up after I went to the tape, as they say. I actually brought up the All-22. And I had an idea. I wanted to go back and watch because I – we spent a lot of time on this guy around free agency and what's up to Rick Rarick uh, over on YouTube, one of our regulars. Uh, rewind this episode, Rick, because we, we're, we're, loading, uh, we're loading a new uh, program for our coverage that I think you're going to be very interested in, my friend. Uh, so check that out. We, we discussed it in great length earlier in the, in the program. Um, so I went to the tape, and before I did that, I went and looked at Connor McGovern, the Bills' new guard, I looked at his pass grades, uh, pass block grades from PFF last year. And I know what you're saying, right? Pass block grades, who cares? Um, but I was more interested in the numbers around that grade. So in the divisional playoff game, it was a loss for the Cowboys last year. But uh, against the 49ers, Connor McGovern was the best pass blocking offensive lineman on the field mm -hmm. for the Niners or for the Cowboys. He had an 88.1 pass block grade. No sacks, no hurries. No pressures allowed in the game. So I went back and I watched that entire game, every single snap of his. And before I did, I, I, I got to thinking like about Connor McGovern's season last year, maybe why the bills were so high on him. He allowed 23 pressures for the year, never more than four in a game. And that one was against the Philadelphia Eagles who have a pretty good defensive line. He let up two sacks for the year, seven, hur seven hits, quarterback hits, and 14 hurries. This was Roger Saffold's numbers from last year, Ryan. He gave up five plus pressures on one, two, three, four occasions. I'm sorry, three occasions last season. And one of those in the divisional playoff game against Cincinnati, when he gave up four hurries, one hit and five pressures uh, against the Bengals, an 18.1 pass block rate, mm -hmm. just anemic. So just think about the potential upgrade as a pass blocker. Maybe that means that Josh Allen just stays a little bit more healthy this season because of how much better McGovern is over Saffold if he ends up slotting in at the left guard spot. I went back and watched the play. One in particular really stuck out to me. It was a third and 11, right? Dak Prescott goes back to pass. Everybody in the stadium knows he's passing. He's going up against um, Javon Kinlaw, um, Connor McGovern was. Stood him up, absolutely locked him down, gave Dak Prescott five seconds to find the open receiver for a first down. And it's just like, listen, I know Javon Kinlaw hasn't been the guy that I think a lot of people wanted him to be, but whether it was Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, whoever the 49ers rolled in to, to go up against him in that game, I thought McGovern was exceptional. And I would imagine that Brandon Bean and the scouting department threw on the tape of that game and were like, we need that. If we had that in the Bengals game, maybe things are a little bit different. I also had McGovern at number three, and I, you know, I agree with your analysis on him, uh, what he can potentially bring to a pass blocking standpoint to give Josh Allen an extra second or two in the pocket, which, you know, if he had an extra second alone in the pocket than what he's had in the past, that could lead to some pretty big plays for this offense. You know, usually when a player leaves a team in free agency, uh, you might get some coach speak. Yeah, good player. We'll miss him. Mike McCarthy openly gushed about him. And he said, I think he's definitely on the rise. His challenges were injuries early in his career. His best football is in front of him. He did a great job for us last year and particularly played well in the playoff games. I'm a big fan of Connor. Buffalo's got a really good one. So, I, I mean, this is someone that realized, hey, he's been a, a 
key cog on this offense where they've invested a lot in that offensive line and it's paid off well for them. But McGovern's that guy that got away. And, and it's probably one of the reasons why the Bills really focused in on him once free agency began and gave him a, you know, they didn't break the bank for him, but they gave him a, a decent deal uh, based on how much cap space they had at the time. I'm actually looking that up because I think, you know, why not be exact on these things? Right. Uh, Connor McGovern, and you got to be careful here. If you start Googling Connor McGovern's, you're going to get two because one plays for the Jets. Connor McG- McGovern signed a three-year, $22.35 million contract, um, $11 million guaranteed. So really, this is essentially a one-and-a-half-year contract, maybe two seasons. And at 25 years old, you sign up for that. I mean, cap hit of $4 million this year, cap hit of $7.9 million in 2024, um, and then a cap hit of $8.4 million in 2025. So the way they've structured this thing with a $4 million dead cap hit even still in the third year of the deal, you're essentially signing the guy for three years. But I think at those numbers – and where that the market is going for interior linemen, if he ends up being a trustworthy guy in your formation, you really like that in, in, in terms of your, your lineup. I also think the arrival of McGovern and the drafting of Torrance gives you the opportunity to put Rick Bates where I think he's best served, first off the bench. Because he can play center, he can play guard. And we saw how good he was at left guard when he came in off the bench at that spot a couple of years ago. He has that versatility to plug in, and you want that. You want a guy that might be, you know, average level starter, maybe a little bit above average at best. You want that to come off the bench rather than be one of the guys you have to rely upon as your five. And I know that they're paying him, you know, borderline starter money because they had to match that offer sheet from the Bears. But I don't care. I think you want really you want depth on your offensive line. Somebody asked earlier in the in the in the in the chat about David Edwards coming over from from the Rams if he'd make the roster. I think he's a lock. I know that I might be in the minority about that, but he knows Cromer's system. He's played in a Super Bowl as recently as two years ago. I think they're going to like what he brings. And if if all the concussion stuff has checked out, I think they're going to really like that piece. And now all of a sudden, what was a, a real problem last year for the Bills, the interior offensive line play outside of Mitch Morse, when they had to rely on the Greg Van Rotens of the world, um, I think you're, they had to play David Questenberry inside on multiple occasions. I think you're really happy with the depth that you have now. Yeah. And last thing I'm a governor, you know, I think he's the anti-Roger Saffold and that's not a knock on Saffold, but when the Bills signed him, you had a guy that was in his thirties, his best football was behind him. You knew what you could get, but you also knew that the ceiling was no longer what it had been five years before that. And yes, I know you had been named a pro bowl of the year before, but we all know that the pro bowl isn't much of a measuring stick anymore. With McGovern, you mentioned it, 25 years old, best footballs in front of him, has already had some really good tape over the past few seasons in Dallas. Now he gets that chance to start here. Uh, I love the upside still in his game, despite what we've already seen from him, which they did not have with Saffold. And I will agree with a commenter here on YouTube that um, William Morris, uh, McGovern run numbers, what are those? They're not good. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, but I don't think you're paying him to be an elite run blocker. And listen, I, I, I think Tony Pollard was pretty good last year. And that's despite having Connor McGovern start a bunch of games for them. So I don't think it's as important. I think in a in a passing league like this, you want to prioritize protection in front of Josh Allen. And that's where McGovern's strength seems to be. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, and listen, if your prediction comes true about the other guard spot, you run it behind Osiris Torrance and you let him, you know, uh, handle the blocking for the running backs, James Cook, Damian Harris, et cetera. I think you'd be okay with that. 
All right, let's get on to number two here. And we have the same number one and number two, but they're different. I went with Leonard Floyd. You went with Dalton Kincaid. Um, we can kind of talk this thing through because I had um, Kincaid number one. You had Floyd at number two. Why did you go the way that you went? And then I'll, I'll kind of go into it for myself. So I, I do think there's a big role available for Dalton Kincaid as a rookie, despite, you know, tight ends over the years, not uh, generally filling the stat sheet. I, I think that the Bills are going to use him as a traditional tight end at times, two tight end sets with Dalton Knox, or Dawson Knox, excuse me. And, and also I think they're going to line him up at the slot at times and uh, let him create mismatches in that regard. But, you know, you mentioned Deontay Hardy in your top five, Trent Sherfield, Khalil Shakir. I don't know how much of, of the time we're going to see him in that slot position, so to speak. So if he's not playing in the slot on a regular basis, how much are the Bills going to run those two tight end sets? Because you know what you have in Knox. Dawson Knox has been terrific in terms of the red zone, uh, catching touchdowns in that area. We know that he's an athletic mismatch. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe after nine touchdowns a, a year before last, uh, expectations weren't met last year, but I, I think that he's been very steady, very solid for this team. And you're not just going to leapfrog Kincaid over him uh, because he has been productive. You know, Leonard Floyd at, at number one, first of all, I think he's going to start as one of their, you know, DNs getting after the quarterback with Von Miller. In my opinion, I, I have him starting on the pup. I know he says he wants, he wants to play week one. He's going to be ready. What to happens play. when Miller gets back? Just out of curiosity. You, you still you find a time for him to get out there in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, he, he's a kind of almost a, I don't want to say movable chess piece, but he, in different formations, he's been, a, a, you know, a linebacker. He's been a DN. You can find a way to get him on the field. You can mix up your D line. If it's an obvious uh, passing down, you can get creative with where you line him up, how you line him up, what your base defense looks like. I, I just think that you always find a way in obvious passing situations to get a guy on the field that had nine sacks one year ago would have led this team um, based on where everyone finished. But, uh, you know, veterans help you win games late in the season and meaningful games. And it, I'm as high on Greg Rousseau as anyone going from four sacks to eight sacks a year ago. But there's going to be times where you're going to want to have Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, who played together with the Rams, uh, out there on the field at the same time uh, at times as well. So, you know, obviously his reps are going to drop once Von Miller returns. Uh, but I see him coming out of the gate hot for this team and still having a pretty important role for them uh, based on the fact that they've struggled to get after the quarterback the past few seasons and meaningful times. That's why I had him as my number one. And I, don't, I, don't, I think they're 1A, 1B at this point. I think both on both sides of the ball, they, they're going to have impactful roles. I went with Kincaid in the top spot because I think – you're going to – I don't believe Ken Dorsey. Let me just say that first and foremost, <laughs> that he doesn't have a plan for Galton Kincaid and how he's going to fit into this offense. If that is the case, and we get out to game one against the Jets, and Dalton Kincaid goes out there and has two targets and a catch for 10 yards, I mean, there's going to be bedlam, okay? There is going to be absolute craziness because – I think we've seen all of the things that we have to see to know that he's going to be able to get out there, catch passes, and do the right things with the ball in his hands, which I think those are the kind of players you want to add to the offense. He can win in multiple areas of the field, but his specialty is getting open quickly, catching the ball, getting upfield, and getting those yards after catch. Everything that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have talked about wanting to add to this offense. And I just think that there is a hole there that – you have the guy on the roster that you drafted him specifically for to fill, that you traded up 
to get the guy for. And so I think because of all that, they'll find a way one year removed from the Kyrie Elam experience to really capitalize on their first round draft pick and find a way to get him the ball in a lot of different ways. I think, and I, again, I don't want to get too much into next into Sunday's show, uh, but I might have a Dalton Kincaid bold prediction for you. But I just think that there's going to be so many different ways for him to take away attention from everybody else. And, you know, Cole Beasley had a ton of targets in this offense as recently as two years ago. I don't think it's going to be very difficult to transition those targets over to Dalton Kincaid. And that's why I had him at number one with Leonard Floyd. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to find ways to get him on the field. Even if it's not starting, I think you're going to end up seeing him with a really big lion's share of the, of the, of the snaps because I think they're going to want to keep Von Miller on a pitch count. And I think that um, Leonard Floyd gets out there. He gives you a proven pass rusher. And I got to say it, Ryan, <clears throat> we did our way too early 53 man roster projection. And I might've been a little bit hasty in uh, cutting Shaq Lawson. He had some games last year where he was really good. Like I thought he made some plays against Kansas city. I thought he made some plays against Miami. I mean, just little plays where, you know, maybe he doesn't even get the whole sack, but that he makes a sack happen. Um, and you know what he can do against the run. I mean, Shaq Lawson is like a commodity because it's a former first round pick that you don't have to pay big money to. And that, you know, you can rely upon him. He becomes an elite level fourth defensive end on a roster. I believe at this stage in his career, he played like it at times last year. Yeah. It, you know, this is the good problem to have after you, you sign a Leonard Floyd is your third D end. You have Shaq Lawson, you have Epinesa, you have Boogie Basham, and the <laughs> list goes on and on. And uh, these are going to be some of the tough cuts that have to be made uh, close to the regular season, but you don't want to write off a guy like Lawson. Uh, going to your point on Dalton Kincaid, yeah, there's there's a lot of receptions uh, that were vacated this past offseason with Isaiah McKenzie, Devin Singletary, even Crowder, Cole Beasley, John Brown to a lesser extent. Tanner Gentry, I think, had a, had a target. So there's still plenty of, of receptions to go around. And when you invest a first-round pick in a player like Dalton Kincaid, uh, obviously Brandon Bean was, was very high on him. We saw in that pre-draft video that they released after the draft uh, where he talked about th thinking he was going to go in the early uh, 20s, I believe it was, and how excited he was that he was still there, wanting to trade up to get him. Brandon Bean won't go and force the Bills to utilize him. I mean, he's made first-round picks, and we've seen last year uh, someone start over him that was drafted in round six in Christian Benford. So he's not going to go there and pound on the table, but I, I am sure that at the same time, you know, Ken Dorsey was in those meetings when they, they did the zoom with Kincaid and when they met him at the uh, senior bowl, wherever the other meeting was ahead of time, it was like the last meeting. Uh, I'm sure that they came away impressed and said, yeah, this is a guy that I can utilize. I can create mismatches. Uh, and I expect even, you know, Ken Dorsey to, to make some big strides from year one to year two as offensive coordinator. Listen, Ken Dorsey, uh, I see some comments about what he said. Here's the direct quote. We have to learn him, Kincaid, and he is going to learn us in a lot of ways within the system and within what we can do. That really is to be determined, and you won't get a great feel of it as coaches until we really start getting into training camps and games and live action and those types of things. Um, and when he was saying determine, like the role and, and what, what the expectations and what they can do for him with him. But I think to uh, some of the comments here that I've seen pop up, I don't think Ken Dorsey, you know, he, he subscribes to the school of Sean McDermott, say less, right? Like when you, when you're going out there and you're asked about a, a rookie, you're going to downplay everything. You're going to not put any additional pressure on a player. So I get it to a degree. Uh, would I have liked a little bit more detail on a guy that 
obviously <clears throat> the Bills have big plans for sure. But I also respect, you know, his position and why maybe he chose not to go into those details. But again, I don't believe him. And uh, I, I do think that there's going to be a, a great, uh, important role for, for Kincaid in the offense. Good comment here from um, Brett over on YouTube. Great interview by Deion Dawkins today. He went on the herd. I'm looking forward to watching that in full. And uh, we'll react to that a little bit maybe on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one other topic we have to get to here, Matt, pretty quickly. Would Kincaid drop on your list if the Bills did end up signing a certain DeAndre Hopkins, who the Bills have once again been linked to in the media? So flirtatious this offseason, Ryan, isn't it? I like you, you like me, but I don't know if I want to commit. How much money do I want to spend on the ring? How much do you want a ring? Because if you want one, it's not going to be very expensive. Listen, it's a whole drama, right? And I know I'm joking around here, but the latest report from Jeff Darlington, like I mentioned, is that the Bills obviously are interested in DeAndre Hopkins, but it's going to be have to be for low money. They don't want to pay him. And it's going to be about ring chasing uh, if he wants to do that and sign on for cheap. And I think it gets to a situation where DeAndre Hopkins is going to make a decision. How good is the deal from the Patriots to the Titans? And apparently, reportedly right now, the Titans went from I'm paraphrasing here because I just saw a tweet on it. Plus 500 yesterday to minus 300 to sign Hopkins. So maybe there's a little juice happening there and maybe that all of this news might uh, get them to a deal. But I think um, (laughs) Roy said, sounds like Matt bought a a, a Zubik Zirconia ring. (laughs) Throwback, that's awesome. But anyway, so maybe we'll see a deal here over the next couple of days. But he's got to ask himself, is it worth the offense you'll be playing in to get paid more money or is about really chasing like playoff success? Because for all intents and purposes, outside of that one year where they lost to Kansas City when they went up big and they lost, the Houston Texans did, Hopkins hasn't a lot, had a lot of playoff success. And maybe he wants to go to a team, whether it be the Chiefs or the Bills, that can give him like a, a low money deal like that you know, maybe that Odell Beckham Jr. deal from the uh, Rams a couple years ago where I think it was like $8 million or $10 million and do something like that. But I don't think we're going to get to a point where the Bills and the Hopkins situation materializes. But you asked the question, if it does, I think it's complicated, Ryan. Like, I think it's not – everybody wants to make it like you just add great players and it just works, right? But there's elements to this. Like, I think there's the Stefan Diggs ego that you have to consider. And I'm not putting him on blast. I'm saying that rightfully so he's an elite wide receiver that has a big ego. It's, it's why things didn't work out in Minnesota. He wanted to be the guy in that offense. And he didn't feel like he was, you added Deandre Hopkins and, and sure they can make some sweet music potentially. Now you have five pass catching six. If you want to include like a Hardy that are really exciting. But how do you spread the ball around? Do you trust Josh Allen to do it? I think you do. I think he's at a point in his career where you can put that on his shoulders and figure out a way to keep everybody happy. But they're also coming off of this whole Stefan Diggs summer drama. So Stefan Diggs wants the ball more. What if DeAndre Hopkins all of a sudden isn't getting the ball enough and he starts making some noise? And then, oh, by the way, you have a second-year play caller in Ken Dorsey who's just trying to figure it all out. There's a lot of pieces to this that I think are more complicated than people realize. Yeah. And, you know, I see Walter in the comments saying, according to Hopkins Instagram post, he's not interested. And uh, to anyone that didn't catch that, it was like two bulls and then two poop emojis. And uh, it doesn't take take much to figure out what he was getting at there in in terms of what he's trying to say. But 
in, in terms of him saying it was BS, that report, maybe he was saying BS in terms of the Bills uh, can, will only sign him if he's willing to ring chase. So maybe he was just kind of saying it wouldn't be for the bare minimum. I don't think it necessarily means that he shut the door on the Bills. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that uh, Buffalo already has a lot of mouths to feed. I don't know if they can make that work. Uh, very talented player, but in terms of the money, I've also learned over the years that players say one thing about wanting to win, uh, but generally they sign for the top dollar, whatever's out there on the market, more times than not, even if it's not with a contender. So we'll wait and see. Uh, he, he could just be waiting for a team to make a deal like the Chiefs with Chris Jones. If they sign him long term, maybe it frees up money there and he signs there. Maybe he'll settle for a team like the Patriots or the Titans. Uh, but I think as we get closer to training camp, that will come to a head and a resolution. Well, it will also come to a head if you order the lawnmower 4.0 uh, Manscaped. Get yourself hooked up this offseason, regular season, wherever it goes. Get yourself Manscaped. We've got a deal going on right now. If you head over to their website, put in the promo code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T. Um, it helps out the show. Uh, it helps you out because you'll go and get the man. Uh, I was really eyeing this thing for a while before they uh, started um, advertising with us. And I wanted to check it out and I never pulled the trigger. And I had heard some of these ads on other podcasts that I listened to. And man, do I wish that I would have found it sooner because you know, I've used it multiple times. It's really, really good in a couple of weeks. You know, we're, we're keeping it fresh around here, Ryan. No messing around. I may be 40, but you know, you know, it, it, you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep things lively. That's right. So use that promo code SHOUT to get 20% off at Manscaped. Join us Sunday at Wingnuts, Sunday, 716 day at 3 p.m. for a, a live episode of Shout. Try out the tangy Talbot wings. Let me tell you what. Do they that, name a wing after you, dude? I, I was I had no idea. I just kind of clicked on the, the specials for July 12th to the 25th, and I saw in all its glory, made my day, my week, my year. Uh, you know, we'll see how I do with the spice of it all, but I cannot wait to try it on Sunday. Yeah, we'll film it. We'll put it up on uh, Twitter, or Instagram, but don't don't wait for the social media post. Come out to Wingnuts, 700 Military Road. Hang out with this guy, Ryan Talbot, myself, Matt Perino. I, I've already heard from probably like a couple dozen people that are coming out, so it's going to be a party, man. So I cannot wait. It's going to be great. And go back and listen. If you, if you caught up late, maybe you fast-forwarded through something, we got a special new coverage idea that we're launching next week. It's called Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Group. You can join it. Free trial coming up. You'll, you'll get to go through the first week of training camp with it. Try it out. See if you want to do it. $3.99 after that. Less than $50 for the year. What a deal. I can't wait can't to get into it. it. It's going to be great. Cannot beat it. Like you said, training camp's just around the corner. What better way to, to try out this uh, product, this new text group with the Bills Mafia? Join us, Bills Mafia. You won't regret it. All right. See you guys all on Sunday. If not, catch the live show right here. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.